Hello, friends, and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour, SB Nation's uh, NFL podcast. I had to think about that for a minute. I wasn't sure what sport we're doing because it's June, but obviously we're here for NFL. I'm the NFL editor, Ryan Van Biver. With me today, Stephen White, Danny Kelly, and the man myth legend, PFT Commoner. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Well, doing excellent. There is no off-season for takes, Ryan. I'm sure you know that. I did know that. I did know that. And there were a lot of good – we have some kind of interesting takes or things that we could make takes about in the news lately. And I'm not talking about the uh, just the stars and bars, as it were. But um, we've, got a, we've got a little bit of a Peyton Manning trade rumor flaring up yesterday. The report was that the Broncos had maybe talked about trading Peyton Manning um, in the midst of that, you know, retirement dance that he did there with the team um, once they, you know, they fired Fox and brought in Kubiak. And it made a lot of sense on the surface because I was like, well, you have a different offense with Kubiak. You have one that's maybe not especially geared toward Peyton Manning's skill set, especially at, you know, his age 39 season and where he's at in his career. So there was, you know, there, there you kind of had that. It was believable on the surface. They wanted him to take a pay cut. So it's like, you know, if you want to, a star like that to take a pay cut, you could threaten to send him to Houston, I guess, and maybe <laughs> that, that gives you some negotiating leverage. But then everybody kind of came out and denied it, and and in a, some of it's rather carefully worded, and some of it from the Broncos, especially more straightforward. So let me ask you this, Stephen. I, I know you were talking about it a little bit on Twitter last night too. Did you buy it when this first came out? Do you buy it at all? Well, sort of, because uh, you know. I think Kubiak is a bad fit for Peyton, Peyton anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think that, look, you, you got to realize that you're in Colorado. It's going to be cold every year when the playoffs come around. Yeah. And what seems to be Peyton's kryptonite these days, playing in cold weather. So I don't think that's going to change. And so if there was ever a time to kind of rip off the Band-Aid, I do think with the new coaching staff and, and – you know, a new offensive scheme coming in, that would have been a perfect time to do it. And from Houston's side, of course they would have wanted Peyton Manning. I would think you look at their quarterback depth chart right now, and who wouldn't? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you have an opportunity. If you're Peyton, I think you would have had to consider it too because you have an opportunity now to play in the AFC South, get to the playoffs easier, perhaps playing a dome for all of the playoffs until you get to the Super Bowl. And you have a very good running game and a very good defense to go along with it. I think it would have made a lot of sense for all parties involved, even if it didn't uh, actually, they didn't have actually pull the trigger on it. Yeah, and what happened is instead, obviously, he reworked his contract. And curiously enough, which kind of makes, which gives this whole rumor, the rumor a little bit more credibility, I think, too, is that the fact that there's a no trade clause in it. I mean, if you're like, so let me ask you this, Danny, you think about this. Is this something the Broncos maybe should have considered a little bit more seriously than they did? I mean, yes, it makes, like, I, I agree with Stephen. It makes sense in terms of all the, the cold weather, the, some of the things that Peyton, you know, struggled with. And it makes you wonder kind of what's going on with Peyton's arm. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're, if they're willing to, to trade this guy who's, you know, taken them really far the last two years in terms of what their offense has been able to do. And then if you look at the last half, the second half of last season, like his performance fell off like dramatically. So Yeah, and you really saw that in the playoffs. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder if they like know something that <laughs> we all don't know um, in terms of just the health of his arm and just what he's able to do. 
Um, so, you know, when it first came out, it kind of made sense to me, you know, um, like, like Steven said, it's kind of ripping off the bandit at some point, they're going to have to move on from him. And perhaps they don't want to have to make that like in the middle of the season, if he really starts to struggle with, with his arm health or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense but at this point, obviously they're going to deny everything because, you know, you can't have a PR nightmare saying, oh yeah, we tried to trade our quarterback. Yeah. He's totally happy now. And, and we're totally, we totally want him now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. And, and, you know, people kind of railed against Benjamin Albright when he made the report, but I've kind of, I've been following him for a while. He's, he hasn't made anything. He hasn't made any false reports in the past. So I definitely kind of trust what his sources are saying in, in terms of, you know, at least, Nick Foles rumor. Yeah. And, and, and he, um, you know, the, they've now been confirmed on several other uh, outlets and, you know, at least got to the preliminary stage of talking about a trade. So it's interesting. Well, let's take, let's look at the other part of this question. Obviously, when you're dealing, when you're talking about a Peyton Manning, a potential Peyton Manning trade, PFT, is Peyton Manning elite anymore? No, I, I don't think he's elite. I think that uh, the stats bear that out. He's had one Super Bowl and his brother's better than he is. And if you're not the best quarterback at your Thanksgiving dinner, then you're certainly not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's that's um, an old that's enough fact. That's what the scouts tell me. Um, I think that it's pretty clear that uh, it would have been a great trade for the Broncos to get rid of Peyton, but it would have been a bad trade for the Texans. Um, like you said, Peyton Manning, he doesn't fit in in the Texans system at all. That's predicated on having a really shitty quarterback. Um, Peyton Manning does not fit that mold, so it, to me, that would just completely ruin the offense down there. Um, but I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I think this trade was actually probably going to go down um, because of that no-trade clause that you mentioned. You don't just ask for a no-trade clause. That's like um, if you get – if you're, like, renewing your vows with your wife, mm-hmm. you don't ask for a prenup as part of that ceremony. <laughs> sure. And so that's what he was doing. Um, but I think it also speaks in a larger effect to the uh, – to the fact that we're about to see the emergence of two superstar quarterbacks in Tom Savage and Brock Osweiler. <laughs> um, well, that was my next question was, is Brock Osweiler capable of being an elite quarterback? Is he in that Kirk Cousins level? I think he's probably above Kirk Cousins just on height alone. Um, I mean, he can, he can see the end zone from anywhere on the field, and that's, <laughs> that's the number one trait that you want in your quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to some Savage and Osweiler duels for the next – you know, ten to fifteen years in the AFC Championship game. I think, I think everybody else. That sounds like a, a name of a Fox News show, doesn't it? Savage and Osweiler. That really does. That could be. Yeah, I would watch that. Debating the Confederate flag with Savage and Osweiler. Yeah, but no, I think I think it's pretty clear that Peyton Manning sucks and is not elite right now. Um, so <laughs> this trade definitely, they tried to make it happen, but. Um, you know, they were trying to pass him off like a bad penny, but the Texans were too smart. Well, I mean, let's go back to Peyton. Um, Stephen, how much, I mean, you know, at Peyton's age, I mean, it's, it's not, it's tough to, it's tough to, to kind of do, to play at that level that we're, we're used to seeing Peyton Manning play at at, at this point. How, how much longer do you think he has left? Oh, I only think he has a couple of years left, especially if he keeps playing in Denver, because like I said, that cold weather is going to affect him every year, I think. And, and it only makes sense. When you have a neck injury or, or any kind of spinal injury, you know that when it gets cold, man, everything hurts yeah. a lot worse. And so I just don't see him playing more than a couple of years. And, and 
they already have the quarterback of the future on their roster anyway. So it will make sense for them to kind of start tra- their transition probably after this year. Yeah. Well, and they've already burned up. I mean, you know, you, depending on what they have in Osweiler, you know, you've kind of burned up two seasons now of his, you know, of that rookie contract that you have him under. So you only only have him for under contract for two more years. Now this will be his third year with the team. And so you've got to kind of find out before you make another decision with him on that. I think that's... Yeah, you need to know what you have with Yeah, him. exactly. Because, I mean, you let him get away and somebody else will... It's a quarterback challenge league. Somebody would gladly, gladly kind of swoop him up. How does Peyton Manning's career end? I mean, does he just retire? I mean, is it sort of like... Is it going to be like, you know, sort of like Emmett Smith, you know when to walk away from the game? Or is it a situation where he like, you know... It just kind of, you know, he heard, he's heard on the field one day and that's it. You've never heard from him, man, which I guess obviously can happen to anybody. But, you know, I, the point I'm trying to make is knowing kind of when to step away from it all. I've got a theory about that, Ryan. Yeah. Um, I, here's what I would like to see happen. I'd like to see Peyton Manning get traded to the Browns this year. Mm. Um, kind of like trying to pass him off like a LeBron James type character to give that whole city a whole bunch of hope and get them really excited about winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then have them lose the Super Bowl this year. I think that would that would be a great thing, a real treat for the city of Cleveland. Well, if they can't, since the Tony Romo Manziel swap can't isn't going to go through, that might be their next best option. Yeah, I, why not? Let's let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, he's from Tennessee. I mean, there's the Jimmy Haslam t- connection right there. It's two rich rich old white men from Tennessee. That'll be more than they ought to be more than happy <laughs> to hang out together. Yeah. That's just the Cleveland of the South. I always say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I, I don't know what else there is left to say about the Peyton trade talk. I mean, it's always interesting to get the kind of those level of trade rumors in June. It's it's sort of like it's finding like a a nice piece of leftover bread in the back of the refrigerator or something like that. But uh, but this is actually this is actually Osweiler's last season, I think. uh, Under contract on his rookie contract. Yeah, he's a free agent in 2016. So uh oh, that might be part of it. You know, he was he was drafted year as as Russell Wilson. I remember that. So um. Yeah, he's in his final. He's in the final year of his deal already. He wasn't first round pick, so he doesn't have that option here, does he? No, because he wasn't a first round pick. Right. Mm. Yeah. And so, and, and it's interesting though. Just one more note about Peyton is like his contract. They reduced it from his base salary from nine. It looks like the cap hit is seventeen and a half million this year. Um, but this is according to over the cap. But they reduced his his salary from 19 to 15 million. They kind of rejiggered the cap a little bit to get him, because Denver came into the offseason needing to add more players, but also kind of in some cap in a little bit of a cap crunch. And they could walk away from him after this season, according to this, for you know the low low price of two and a half million dollars. If you know if he's hurt or if it's just not working out or if they're ready to kind of move on and, and give Osweiler. I think that also speaks to Obama's America when you're paying some guy two and a half million dollars to not go to work. <laughs> when, are, when are we going to stop this madness? It's time for some welfare reform, that's for sure. I and mean, I think the Peyton Manning contract is proof of it right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's go from one elite quarterback, or not so elite anymore quarterback, to, um, I don't know, is Tom Brady elite at this point in his career, PFT? I think we need to wait until all the facts come out about whether or not he took some air out of footballs. That's probably a good point. That's probably a good point. 
I'm going to reserve judgment until Roger Goodell weighs in. Always a prudent move. Always a prudent move. And I'm going to go around the circle here. What do you, let's let's get some over and under on uh, on when we're going to get an actual decision from Goodell. Danny, I'm going to say two weeks. All right, two weeks. Steven? Um, the day before the Patriots start training camp. <laughs> Just to be a dick about it. <laughs> PFT? Uh, it's going to be July 3rd, Friday, at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, while everybody's going home for their 4th of July American weekend. That would make a lot of sense. And that'll probably be like the Greg Hardy decision will come down at that time. That's been, what, four yeah. weeks you know what? for Greg Hardy? The NFL should just do a big release about every player that's about to be suspended on July 3rd. Just get it all out there. Clear the just yeah, Pacific. Just like clear, yeah. just Pacific. clear the pipes. Yep. Clear the pipes. Take a Strategy. Roger Goodell disciplinary laxative and get it all out of there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we don't really know much about what happened in there. Obviously, they met for 10 hours. You heard some kind of. You know, the lawyers made some cryptic statements coming out of the room. You had Jeffrey Kessler, who's Tom Brady and the union's chief guy on this, and he was kind of a big-time guy. You might know him from the 2011 lockout. He was their point person on that, on the labor side of the, the, the aisle on that, to fight that fight. But he said it was, they made a very compelling case, and I, I thought this was kind of interesting. Tom Brady was actually under oath, and... That sounds impressive that he was under oath, but I'm not sure that uh, Roger Goodell could exactly charge him with perjury in that situation. I know Goodell's a pretty powerful guy, but they haven't quite rewritten the laws, all of the laws yet, to give Goodell that much power. Why would he do that under oath, Stephen? I don't know. You know, if it was me, I would have told him, to hell with this. Why am I... You know, being sworn in, and this is not really a legal proceeding. It yeah. kind of seems like a setup. Like for me, you know, I'm always—I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I try to see around the next corner. So I'm thinking, well, if Tom Brady tries to sue them or t- tries to take this to court because he w- isn't happy with the appeal decision, maybe they put him on the oath so they can say, well, look, he said these things under oath, and now he's changing his story. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of. Why I, I can't, for the life of me, understand why he would ever do that, though. Well, and I don't know. I mean, it wasn't clear to me, like, why, you know, who decided to put him under oath, whether it was the league or whether it was Brady's people. I mean, maybe Brady's people, since it was all about, you know, Roger Goodell made all this talk about, I want to look him in the eye, and he has the opportunity to present me some new evidence and really talk about this. And that's a terrible Roger Goodell imitation, but you get the kind of the the blue blood, I think, feel for it and that. But, like, so maybe it was Brady's people like, hey, you know what, we're, we'll go under oath here, but we're not going to give you our phone records or anything like that. I don't really know. Sector thing. That would have been pretty compelling. Say again? They should have put him, they put, they should have put him through a lie detector test. That would have been... <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be, like, entertaining. Because it's still pretty subjective, you know? It's like yeah. they don't really accept that in a court of law anyway. It's just that smile. Yeah. Everybody says it, though, right? I pass a lot of yeah. tests. <laughs> now, PFT, what is it, what's the outcome here? What's going to happen with this? What so, do you think should happen with this? Right, area? so I, I think that both sides need to have some skin in the game, right? I think that Brady, if uh, if he gets his suspension reduced to two games or zero games, 
or maybe even gets two additional games and gets to play 18 next year, mm-hmm. I think that in that case, uh, Roger Goodell should have to suspend himself for four, four weeks. So, I mean, he needs to hold himself accountable more than anybody else. And so if he wants to get it right, then if he got this wrong, then he needs to get it right again and, and suspend himself from the league. Um, I also think that if Brady is lying, I think that he should actually serve prison time. Whoa. Uh, and I think that I think they should put him in the same cell as Aaron Hernandez. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's probably why Goodell wanted him to testify under oath, um, to have a, a prison sentence looming over his head. Like a throw him in the pokey with Aaron Hernandez. You Just up the street from Gillette Stadium. You don't lie to your boss. I've been fired three or four times for lying to my boss. <laughs> and if it happened to me, then everybody else deserves to be fired for it, too. It's yeah. It's I mean, you make a compelling case there. There's really, uh, you know, what else can you say? When what else can you say to that? Also, people are saying that that the NFL is biased against the Patriots. If the NFL is biased against the Patriots, Roger D- Goodell is doing the shittiest job of all time of being biased against somebody. <laughs> they're, they're, I don't understand what that conspiracy theory is. The <laughs> Robert Kraft and Roger Goodell are pretty much wife swappers. And they hang out all the time. They attend each other's barbecues. I think that this also signs point to Brady, um, although I do admire Robert Kraft for sending a telegraph or a, a, an email over um, from Jerusalem. That was very noble of him. Yeah, he was actually in there. He was actually in Jerusalem to meet with Netanyahu. I don't. I think they were lobbying for something over there. But, like, that's where you had the Netanyahu made this speech as Robert Kraft presented this jersey and talking like this – whole thing about they're on the one yard line with Iran. It was, it was this really like in the history of bad sports analogies, it was one of the worst I've ever heard. I like how nobody is really asking what the hell Robert Kraft is doing over in Jerusalem. (laughs) I think that deserves to be dug into a little bit more. There might be some Illuminati stuff going on out there. I'll I'll take a look at it. Excellent (laughs) idea. That's a good idea. I think there may, you know, maybe there's an ISIS connection in here somewhere. I don't know. I mean, maybe this is the new, Iran Contra. They're funneling money to fight ISIS through Robert Kraft and so when and when, PF, when PFT was picking ISIS last year for NFL picks, that wasn't a coincidence. I don't think. Maybe not. <laughs> I was at, yeah. I was actually saying that the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl, and <laughs> guess what? Looks That's like I'm, no, I'm going to. I'm making a note right now. I'm going to. I'm going to reach out to some contacts I have and. Um, Israeli intelligence service and see what's going on over there. Excellent. Uh, you know, here, little known fact for our listeners out there. This is sort of the bonus nugget you might get a, in, in a DVD or something. But that when PFT commenter picked ISIS in our weekly picks last year, that is the that more than anything else that PFT commenter has ever written on the site. We got more complaints about that than anything else. <laughs> Like, people were furious, like, sending shit in with that. It was crazy. But anyway, so, I, you know, I really don't know what else there is more to say about Tom Brady from ISIS to Brady. I think that was a good segue. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next. And I think, uh, you know, Goodell's going to have to make a decision soon because, you know, they start training camp at the end of July. And, and you've got to kind of prepare for – Brady, whether he's out four games, two games, or no games in this, you know, some one of those outcomes is what's going to happen, and you know he needs to he needs to prepare, and they need to get Garoppolo reps. It's just going to be it, it makes a new wrinkle in the whole in the Patriots training camp. I don't know. Maybe this is a monopoly buster. Maybe like 
there's an unwritten rule in the it's like the uncapped year. It's if there's a team wins four Super Bowls within a decade now, they have to, you know, they're going to come down on them in some way. It's like trust busting or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to another very serious matter here that uh, you covered this a little bit, PFT commenter. Um, the Dan Snyder's legal team was in court this week uh, on Tuesday, as a matter of fact, to uh, they're appealing the trademark board's decision that the the Redskins name can't be trademarked because it's offensive. Um, and they had the Supreme Court actually working against them because the Supreme Court issued a decision on uh, the Texas wanted to put Confederate flags on license plates in the Supreme Court said actually struck that down. And uh, the uh, that came up in the, the course of this trademark hearing. And that's something else we could have a decision on fairly soon. And uh, I just think it's interesting because you have you've had this debate about offensive symbols in the wake of the Charleston shooting last week with the Confederate flag. And here at the same time, it's kind of under the radar the Redskins are defending their name. But we had a little blip yesterday that looked like maybe the Redskins had given it up, PFT commenter. They're giving it up? Well, I mean, that's what, you know, you had maybe thought well, for well, it sounded yeah, like. Yeah, I, I thought it was actually very noble, and it showed a lot of self-awareness on Dan Snyder's part to come out so vehemently against such a symbol of um, a vile and violent past as the Confederate flag. The Redskins uh, have no no business associating themselves with any symbol like that from the past. Um, that's not what the skins are all about, obviously. Um, skins are about heritage, and so it's a good thing that they that they made their stance clear on that flag. Um, I think that actually what's going on in trademark court right now is going to be interesting to watch because if if they say, okay, we're taking away your trademark and anyone can call themselves the Washington Redskins, then you can have what if all other 31 teams in the NFL decide to call themselves the Washington Redskins? Or what if you have – you're going to have thousands more Washington Redskins out there. It's it's a classic example of telling somebody that they can't do something, and then they want to do it more. Um, so I really don't see what the what the big deal here is. I think it's a win win for the Skins either way. It's you know, and 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 when you're Dan, if Dan Snyder's proven one thing in his history with the NFL, it's that the man knows how to win. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So either either you're going to have Dan Snyder win this case, and there will be the Washington Redskins football team based in um, Virginia and playing their game in Maryland, or you're, you could have potentially thousands of other Washington Redskins, and you could spread like like wildfire and be like a viral name for any sports team. So uh, yeah, I, I I don't see a downside to this from the Redskins. Let me ask you. Let's let me ask this then. Do you think that I mean? Do they have, I mean, the, with the Confederate flag thing in the in the headlines period, but also with the Supreme, with respect to the Supreme Court decision, does that give uh, does that give the Black Horse plaintiffs more, even a stronger case against this name, Stephen? Well, uh, who knows? Because you just can't tell which way the, the courts are leaning these days. Yeah. Uh, you, you 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 get all excited and think that you know one decision means one thing, and then a, a decision comes out after that that kind of contradicts it. So, um, to me, this is more of a common sense deal in the first place. You you would think that just common sense would prevail. There were no tribes of redskins when you're talking about Indians. So, who exactly are you honoring when 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 you have that name? But 
I don't know. I, I've kind of given up on trying to read the tea leaves. I just hope that one day uh, just uh, common sense kind of wins out. Well, I guess that's kind of another. It's like the logistics of of changing a team name like that. I mean, if the if the court does decide for the plaintiffs, then they lose that trademark. Now, they don't technically. That doesn't mean they have to change the team name, but they don't own the trademark anymore, and they can't make any money off of it. Which the NFL is obviously not. I mean, and they could, of course, appeal that. Probably appeal that decision. I'm assuming too. But. Um, you know, they can't make any money off of it, which is obviously then you would see a change because you're going to want to have something to to capitalize off of. Is the Are the logistics of changing a team name, is that, I mean, is that sort of an underrated issue here? Well, I don't, I don't think so. You look at the, the Washington Wizards, who mm-hmm. used to be Wizards, and it was kind of a moral thing why they changed it from the Bullets because, of course, they were having a whole lot of crime and murders in Washington, D.C. So they decided this is not a good look. We're going to change it to the Wizards. Haven't looked back. And yeah. now that they're winning, you're, you're seeing a lot more people in Wizards gear. So for me, look, I, you're going to find every excuse in the book if you're looking for it. Yeah. Why you shouldn't change this. But to me, look, we, we've done this. We, we've had people change mascots or uh, the team name or what have you and all different kinds of sports, and the world didn't come to an end, so why can't we do it with this? Yeah. I've got, I've got something to say real quick here. If you outlaw the name Redskins, then only outlaws will be able to name their team Redskins. <laughs> and you're going to have a bunch of thugs. You're going to have a bunch of thugs running around. <laughs> dressing up like Chief Z and just sitting our country down the toilet. And not going to have any good guys named Redskins there to stop them. <laughs> that's a pretty good take I, I'll have to say PFT the RG3 take at the end of your piece yesterday was really a solid one too The but today they stood tall and hit an easy target period Yeah. maybe RG3 could learn a lesson or two folks I think he could <laughs> he could learn a lesson from Terrell Pryor and, and convert himself to a, a, a wide receiver yeah Hey, well, all right, you brought up Terrell Pryor. He was in the news again this week, too, and that's something we thought about. We'd hit on this week on the old podcast here, but he's moved to wide receiver. He's with the Browns now. He left the Bengals and uh, maybe burned a bridge or two. Who doesn't burn a bridge or two when you're uh, when Mike Brown's your boss, I guess? But um, uh, he burned a bridge or two because he posted some videos. Like, screw all you guys, I quit. You know, who cares? Yeah. It's a bridge that you're happy to burn. <laughs> But he posted videos on Twitter of, you know, him in practice with the Bengals. And, of course, the Bengals were pissed off about it because they felt like, well, this is, you know, a video of our practice, which we expressly prohibit. And we don't want anybody to learn the secrets of the Bengals, the deadly secrets of the Bengals offense that has served them so well in January every year. Um does Terrell Pryor have a shot? Danny, you saw him play a little bit. I mean, you've, we've watched him kind of some over the years here. Do you think he has a shot at wide receiver, or is, is this just sort of a last-ditch move here for him? I, well, I see it more as a last-ditch move. I think, you know, on one hand, and I mentioned this on Twitter, it's like the planet theory idea. It's like there's only so many guys that are six foot five and can run like a 4-3. So that gives him a, a little bit of an advantage in terms of, like, he's not just some – 
you know, six foot, 190 guy, you know, like every other receiver that comes out of the um, college right now. But, you know, at the same time, he's 26. He's been in the league for, you know, how many of her years now? And, and he, I think he's finally realized that quarterback's not the answer. So, in the, you know, it's, it's more of like a last stitch, like, all right, fine, I'll play something else. But I just really don't see it happening. You know, he's going to have to break into special teams first. Um, I think that's kind of how he'll make a team. And then from there, he can sort of try and develop as a receiver. Obviously, you know, you hear, you hear a lot of people say that receiver is one of the harder positions to transition to from the college to the pros because of the, you know, just how intricate it is in terms of, you have to hit your depths perfectly. You have to, you know, be the timing has to be perfect. You have to catch the ball. You have to get off of uh, the jam. You have to block. I mean, there's just a lot of things that he's going to have to learn. So I think for, for him to make it, someone's going to have to take a flyer on him with the idea that, you know, two years down the line, he'll be he'll be something they could use in their offense. Why do everyone thinks that like a quarterback? I mean, you saw this with Tebow and the tight end thing. You saw it with Terrell Pryor. You saw it with. I mean, you see it with the quote-unquote athletic quarterbacks all the time. It's like, well, just, you know, you need to make it. They can't make it as a quarterback, so you can make it as a wide receiver. But it seems like that's, I mean, that's a lot harder than it it seems. Am I right? Don't you think, Stephen? I mean, that's not just a switch you can flip there. It's not. um, And it's always harder than people think. It's like I say to 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 folks about the whole Tebow going to tight end thing. You have guys who played tight end their whole life, who have the size, the speed, and the ability you think that they need for a tight end to play in the NFL. And those guys don't make it in the NFL. So what yeah. makes you think a guy that's never played it before in his life is going to go in there and light it up? But every once in a while, somebody kind of breaks the mold. I remember uh, Antoine Randall yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, he, he was a guy who uh, I, I had question marks about changing the wide receiver. Did a great job. Hans Ward, people talk about him, but to me, he was always more of an athlete than a quarterback anyway. Yeah. But um, you do have some success stories of guys uh, uh, changing and going to a new position, but especially with quarterback, a guy who, you know, you've taken hits before, but it's been a different kind of hit. You know what I mean? You, you've been in the pocket and, yeah. and, and you get that way. And even with running the read option, it's totally different from trying to run like a post and getting your head t- taken off by, by Earl Thomas, for instance. And so it, it remains to be said, I think he has the, the great height, weight, measurables combination that, that you think a guy could go out there and thrive. But look, your hands look great when nobody's about to knock you out, okay? <laughs> Everybody can catch with short zones. So it'll be interesting to see how he looks once the pass come on and guys, are, he knows guys are bearing down on him. That, to me, will be the biggest issue for Terrell Pryor is getting used to not knowing where the next hit is coming from and still having to make the play. Yeah. So I, I think some of the physical things he'll be able to do, uh, you know, he'll be able to learn how to run routes and stuff. And, and, and as Danny uh, alluded to, I mean, the guy's big and fast. Uh, uh, most teams want a lot of big and fast guys on the team. Yeah. But will he be able to catch with the game on the line? That, that's one thing we'll never know until he actually gets some game tape doing it. There's yeah. a guy. There's a guy on the Cardinals right now, Darren Fells. He was. A, he's a former basketball player who was playing in Europe for a while. He came back to the NFL. He, his brother's in the NFL as well. Daniel Fells. Yeah. 
And he, he caught on with the Seahawks for a while. You know, they released him eventually, and then he's he's now with the Cardinals, and I've seen some kind of hype about him during the offseason this year. And he's, you know, that's, that's a guy you could kind of compare, I think, prior to, like, He's been in the league for a few years now. This, I think, I think it'll be his third year, and you know he's he's got the potential to sort of, you know, be a, a role player for the Cardinals this year. Um, and he's 29 years old, so like I think that's kind of someone you could compare prior to. Maybe the hype around him is just too much in terms of people are expecting too much. But like down down the line, two years, maybe it wouldn't surprise me greatly if he was still around and, and kind of projecting to be a role player but mm-hmm. i wouldn't expect much past that basically yeah pft you think terrell Pryor's got a shot yeah i think he's got a great shot at uh, replacing jackson deville as the next mascot down in jacksonville <laughs> uh, to me that seems like the natural fit for the guy let him just run around and act like a clown um it's just he's his nfl career has just been well it's, it's part for the course for an ohio state guy um, but I, I don't see anything good coming out of him. He's like, he's a classic Matt Jones type quarterback. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe without all the, um, unfortunate drug issues, but maybe he does have those drug issues. I don't know. I don't hang out with him. Um, but no, I don't, I don't see him catching on anywhere the, I think the place that he'd be most at home would probably be back in Seattle, uh, as insurance for, uh, for Russell Wilson, just to have somebody that can play the position, I think he can play the position even better than Russ Wilson, to be honest with you. I think Russell Wilson's assistant quarterback and uh, Terrell Pryor could step in tomorrow and, and do the exact same job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of an interesting point because um, the Russell the replacing Russell Wilson has also been something that's been kind of talked about a little bit here, you know, in the low in the lower frequency, but uh it's out there nonetheless because you know, here the contract situation, there's still no contract, new contract for Russell Wilson in Seattle. And then you saw on Monday Robert Klimko uh stepped in and, and did the Monday morning quarterback um which almost featured PFG Commoner, the the editors at SI didn't you know? Would not go for that. I can't understand it. But uh, they asked me, man. I you're fired from the MMQB before you even got hired at the MMQB. Yeah, <laughs> it's a badge of honor. And you'd think that it's like, well, the MMQB has been way better the last couple of weeks when like you've got Emily Kaplan and Robert Klimko doing it. But maybe they should like a uh, take a hint there. But I, I, I'm not here to discuss other people's edi- editorial strategy because it's hard enough to keep up with my own editorial strategy. So. But anyway, he had an interesting piece about Wilson in there in one of the 10 things, I think, I think part. But, like, there is some speculation that maybe the Seahawks, they keep Russell Wilson this year on his deal. They franchise him in 2016 and then let him walk because there's a sense there that, you know, he's only going to be as good as he is in Seattle with the Seahawks because we've sort of designed ourselves to work with his strengths and he's not going to go somewhere else and just be a good quarterback because he's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback because he's a system guy here in Seattle. Danny, is that, I mean, is that, is it crazy or is that, is there a nugget of, of sense within that? Well, I mean, personally, I think it is crazy, but that doesn't mean necessarily that there's no truth to, I I guess. That the the Seahawks would be thinking that. Right. So, and, you know, to clarify, I don't know, you know, I, I trust that Klumko has got some good sources on this. I would think that the Seahawks would, um, 
franchise him twice before letting him go. I think they would do the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag in 2017. Mm -hmm. Someone tried to swoop in and get two, you know, give up two first round picks for him. They may consider it. Um, But, you know, considering it's one or two years down the line, they can start maybe planning some contingency for what they're going to do at quarterback. Cause right now they have absolutely nothing. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I still kind of just think it's negotiating and posturing and, you know, they, they want to stay strong in their stance that they think they can, you know, move on without him. And Russell Wilson's, you know, kind of like, well, I've moved around in the past and I could do it in the future. They're just kind of, it's like a game of chicken right now. Yeah. So, uh, but, but bottom line, I think, you know, I don't think he's a system quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. I think, I think generally speaking, everybody's a system quarterback in terms of sure. they, they design the system around the strengths of a quarterback because the quarterback is handling the ball at every snap. So, um, you know, I think the way the Seahawks have designed their offense really fits Russell Wilson, his skill set really well. And, and, you know, kind of like, you know, they, it maximizes exactly what he can do. And, and that's like, that's just called good coaching. So, um, if, if he did end up going to another team, I think if they tried to fit him into a square peg in terms of, you know, trying to have him run a from the pocket, like, you know, pe- heavy passing offense, his, his efficiency would decline, but I still think he'd be a good player. I think generally, you know, just generally speaking, I, I don't think he only succeeds because Seattle's system. I think that that's, you know, a fallacy. I think he's a good player. And I think people would see that eventually after if, if the Seahawks did end up moving off from him, which I don't think will happen. Yeah. Steven, what do you think? What do you make of all this talk with Wilson and the Seahawks? I think it's a load of bullshit. I'll just be honest with you. It, it, it's it's kind of a you know something they probably leaked as a negotiating ch- tactic, which is yeah. fucking asinine. As far as I'm concerned, this is your franchise quarterback. If it was so easy to de- design a court uh, uh, offense to fit your quarterback, why in the fuck hadn't they done it until they got Russell Wilson? So hey, if this is true, have at it, Hoss. Let's go ahead and let him walk. Let's see how easy it is to find the next Russell Wilson. Because you know what? That shit is going to blow up in their face big time. So I I can't even do anything but laugh about the report because I I don't even want to believe that there's a front office that fucking stupid. We know how hard it is to find a franchise. Look, I'm a fucking Tampa Bay Buccaneer. We ain't found one yet. So you can kiss my ass talking about, oh, he's just good because of our offense. Okay, somebody else can design that same fucking offense, I think, and he'll do just fine elsewhere. What are you going to do when he ain't there no more? So, like I said, I I can't even take this shit seriously. I really can't. Well, it's always Matt Flynn. Exactly. Or the litany of guys he tried to bring in before him. Yeah, Yeah, let's let's try to do that shit again. Let's get Brian Hoyer in it. And one, another one of those backup uh, 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 Patriots quarterbacks and, and see if he can do it. Yeah, have fun with that. A PFT, what, Russell Wilson, could he succeed anywhere but Seattle? I really like Danny's take when he said that, you know, aren't we all system quarterbacks? I think that that's very philosophical, and I completely agree. Um, you could say Harry Truman was a system president, <laughs> uh, but, you know, he still won the war. He got it done when it counted. Yeah, he had a great supporting cast around him, and he had the pieces in place uh, with the atomic bombs that, you know, maybe he didn't he didn't invent those himself, but uh, he maximized their potential. Um, so Danny kind of changed my way of thinking on that. Um, but I, I'm still a little bit skeptical about, Russell Wilson just because of how low he was drafted in the first place. Um, so, like, you, he was a third-round pick, and I'm still watching game tape, and when he was at Wisconsin and 
North Carolina State and whatever other colleges he transferred to here and there because he couldn't commit to a single place. Like, it was just (laughs) – his college film still stands out to me as telling me that he's not a good quarterback. Um, And when you take that into account, technically he was a bad draft pick. Um, You could – you know, they could have traded back and picked up a few more interior linemen and and running backs and defensive backs over the next several years instead of having Wilson on their team. Um, so, you know, I think they would have won that Super Bowl without him, to be honest. Um, I also don't trust how little he's getting paid right now. Uh, it, it's like if you go out on a date, you don't take your date to a restaurant that's got a $5 porterhouse, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to do that. So why why do they want to go into a season with a quarterback that they're paying so little? It's like that that should tell you everything you need to know about Russell. It's like if if he's willing to sell himself for $300,000 a year, um, that's not the guy that I want leading my team. Well, you're you're standing by. It's admirable to see you stand by. I not that you didn't write it, but it was it was out there. The infamous the Bleacher Report draft grade. Yeah, I, technically, by any any statistic that you can come up with, Russell Wilson was a wasted draft pick. <laughs> so not elite. Not elite. Not elite. Not elite. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, but he has won a Super Bowl. He's been to two Super Bowls. He actually won one. Yeah, he's he's uh, one and one in Super Bowls, but he's also lost his wedding ring. Um, so he's technically at zero rings for his career. <laughs> we did lose the game to the Rams last year, so that's you know that's definitely a strike against you in the elite column. So I can say that yeah. from a personal personal experience. I have a question for Steven. Yeah. Steven, what team do you think that Russell Wilson could join right now and turn into an instant Super Bowl champion? I signed his ass to the Buccaneers before you can even say, get the rest of that sentence out. I promise you. <laughs> we'll find a fucking way to get this offense to fit him, if, if that's what you need. I don't, I don't really subscribe to that because I've seen too much of this kid. There's some of the stuff he does, I don't give a shit. If he's in the run and shoot or whatever kind of pro style offense you're talking about, he's going to get the job done. I, I've just seen too much of this kid. But even if you said he can only excel in X uh, uh, offense, I will find a fucking offense coordinator that can run that <laughs> offense and I'll sign his ass for you can even get it out of your mouth. Do you want to trade for yes? Yes. <laughs> whatever you want, yes. Send him to Tampa. Today, I don't give a shit. We just drafted Jameis Winston. He'll be fine. He'll be fine on the bench holding the clipboard. He'll meet Russell Wilson all day long. <laughs> that would be that would be kind of an interesting fit too with Dirk Cutter, the Dirk Cutter down there as the offensive coordinator. Absolutely, too. I Absolutely. Mean, a guy that knows what the hell he's doing when it comes to an offense. Yeah, look, don't start me. You fuck around, having me over here really imagining this shit like it really could happen, <laughs> and I know it can't. <laughs> but, yeah, I, look, for real, seriously, though, I mean, what offense do does anyone think he can't run? I mean, I don't even care that he doesn't throw the ball that much when he throws it. Look who he's, he's throwing to. And he's pretty much on the money, and he doesn't throw interceptions. And guess what? I'm a defensive, a defensive lineman at heart. You can't sack this guy. You, yeah. you can't fucking do it. I've seen too many guys, the best of the best, think they had him dead to rights and him get out of it. You can't do it. That helps the whole team. Now you don't have to have – you know, a perfect offensive line to be successful. I just think this kid is money. And, and, and he shows up He shows up and has his biggest games. 
in the biggest games, which is what you want in the first place. So, yeah, like I said, I'm a huge Russell Wilson guy. If I, if I was his agent, I'd laugh in their damn face if they said that. I really wouldn't. <laughs> Steven, likes, Steven likes Wilson more than I like him, and I'm, you know, yeah. the Seahawks guy. For real. I, I mean, I just – I've because you know what? Because I have so much respect for the fact that what he can do when everything breaks down. Because I think most quarterbacks, when he has a clean pocket, can make a good throw. Russell Wilson doesn't give a damn if you send everybody. He's going to find a way out of there and make that completion when you need it the most. I've just seen him do it too much over the last two years. And, and like I said, no, maybe he's not that guy that's going to throw 50 times a game for you. But I, I wouldn't put it past him to be able to do that. He's just that kind of talent. Well, he's, there's there's always that one completion that they when they needed it the most that they didn't. Get. Ah, oh, that's sorry, that's Danny. That's sorry, that's Danny. That's I had that's to look, go there. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That's a blind throw. That's on the offense coordinator. You, you, your dumb ass gonna call that play when you know you got Brandon Brown over over there. <laughs> like he in jail, just jacking motherfuckers up over here. And to throw I'm it sorry, to Ricardo too. I mean, and that's yeah. that's like, I mean, somebody said that a minute ago, too. It's like, he's had terrible receivers to work with there. I mean, those guys on any other team would just be, I mean, who was yeah, that tight end this year that was kind of became Evan? their main guy? Luke Wilson? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not start bashing Luke Wilson now. <laughs> I mean, he can't even hold a candle to Owen Wilson. And really, look, and, and that's another part to this, too. Look, they should have said that shit last year before he got Jimmy Graham. Let's hear them say that shit at the end of the year with a straight face. I love to see it. I love to see that press conference after he's had a year with Jimmy Graham. Yeah, we think he's just a system guy. We're going to let him walk. Yeah, let's see how that turns out. <laughs> Look, I'm sticking to it. They're going to sign him. They're going to give him a shitload of money, and we're all going to go on with our lives. Well, I just and, think and it's, you it's said coach. like what you said too about if they franchise him in 2016, then you do the second tag in in 2017. It's, well, at that point, you've pretty much. I mean, you've given the guy. I mean, that you're over 40 million dollars all guaranteed at that point. Then what the fuck? Just sign him, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And help yourself out with with the salary cap and everything. Yeah, exactly. it, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. <clears throat> it's yeah, going to be interesting yeah. to see. They need to get it done. I can't believe that they haven't. I guess maybe that is gives you kind of an idea of that of how far apart the two sides are in contract talks right now. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. But uh, it's going to be one of the more interesting because he has a baseball agent too. This isn't like Drew Rosenhaus who could tell you the minute details of every all thirty two teams cap situation either. I mean, this is a guy that's. You know, he's a baseball guy, baseball agent with the, the from the world of unlimited guaranteed contracts. Yeah, I mean, he's but he's like Russell. He, Russell Wilson is his boss, though, so it's like well, yeah. I, it comes down to Russell Wilson. I, I think you know, it's like, if Russell <clears> Wilson talk, tells uh, him, "Hey, we need to send out some State Farm tweets. Let's do it." <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. It's just I, I, I you know, I, I've been handling the kind of growing hysteria in Seattle about Russell Wilson <laughs> potentially leaving. And, you know, I have this whole, I have this like uh color coded threat level for, for <laughs> whether or not we're going to lose Russell Wilson. They kind of change every once in a while based on different reports, mm. you know, and there's so many different accounts coming out. Like, you know, I've talked to people who, you know, have good sources within the Seahawks, obviously. And, and that's why I give credence to Klemko's report about that. But, and, and I've heard from multiple people that the Seahawks are willing to let him leave. But I, I just, 
my whole stance is, yeah, I'll believe that when it happens because I just do not think it will happen. I just don't think that they're going to let that happen. It's it's if, stupid. If they do that, Paul Allen should make everyone on that team use sir, use that fucking Windows 97 for the rest of their <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fucking lies. But anyway, that's, you know, we'll see what happens with that. That's interesting. I'm anxious to see, too. There hasn't really been any more said about it or we'd be talking about it today, but the Des Bryant contract situation, our the official stance of the onside kick family hour is seems to be what the fuck are the Cowboys doing? Get that shit taken care of. And yep. uh, that still hasn't happened yet. So let's move on. Speaking of, I, there's a good story. I think everybody probably has had the chance to read it, but did you guys read Sarah's Dexter Manley story yesterday? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, that was some, that, that's a hell of a damn story right there. I mean, I don't really like. I, I don't honestly have much to say. I'm still sort of like I, I, I read it four times, you know, because of the editorial process. But it's just like I still, like I keep coming back thinking about the different parts of that. It's like holy shit. I mean, this is like <laughs> the the extreme version of like the ballers stereotype or whatever of of players' lives, and just like the guy. Fascinating story. And the most interesting part to me was that. I mean, I, the brain cyst and maybe, you know, like not getting that taken care of soon enough because he didn't want to stop playing. But like his whole thing with literacy and like how he beat literacy. And then, you know, he saw when Joe Theismann got injured in that game. You know, I'm sure you guys remember that. But the Joe Theismann and, and that realized that it's like if Joe Theismann gets hurt and his football career is over, he's fine. He'll be all right. But if Dexter Manley gets hurt and his football career is over, he's fucked. Man. <laughs> yep. And yeah. it just like it was, I mean, it was a really powerful story. And there's so much of that stuff out there. It's like, well, X number of players are bankrupt after a year and blah, blah, blah. There's always the stereotype of players and who players are. And then you read the profile of a guy who was kind of in that stereotype and beat it, beat the odds of it all. Eventually, it took him some time. It wasn't easy, but. Yeah, and I mean, not to not to spoil the ending or whatever, but. Just the fact that his brain cyst potentially had everything to do with his his addiction issues is so fascinating. And, you know, the whole, like, you know, he he basically was in denial about having it and then forgot about it. And then he had had this whole, like, spiral, you know, into, you know, whatever, like bankruptcy and and drugs and jail and prison and all that. And uh, potentially it wasn't, you know, it was just, due to this, you know, cyst growing in his head. It's just so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, and you know what? Um, and I haven't made, made a, a secret of the fact that I grew up a Cowboys fan, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I was so impressed with Dexter Manley and Charles Mann. And in particular, Dexter Manley, because it seemed like he would just do anything to win a game. He was so ferocious when he was on the field. And one of the things that just hit me, because we were kind of discussing this, uh, before the podcast, so I, I, you know, in the email, and I was talking about his post football career. But w- when you really think about it, if his addiction issues were due to that cyst, and he knew about the cyst while he was playing, then there's a very good chance that they could have removed that cyst, and his career could have continued because he basically stopped playing football because he kept getting popped with drug tests. Yeah, and so you're talking about the fact that that may have cut his, that probably did cut his football career short, a guy who was just amazing on the field. He's just one of those guys, um, wasn't always pretty, 
But he, he you know, you want to talk about lunch pill guy? He would have been uh, uh, PFT Commoner's favorite, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> PFT, yeah. you know, Manly. I mean, you you obviously have followed the Redskins. Yeah, you know, um, I agree with Steven on this one. I think he was a lunch pill guy. Even if you know the lunch pail was filled with with something else besides a ham sandwich, uh, I think he was he was that hardworking guy that you that you read about. Um, I actually grew up. I played some basketball against his son, and I I got some bad blood to get with his son. Uh, he blocked I think ten of my shots in one game, and um, I was I, yeah I was not happy with him. So I when we went to the handshake line, I did the fake handshake to him. I think he gained a lot of respect for me uh, after I did that. But um, the, so yeah, it was a great story, and Sarah did a great job reporting it. I think um, the one part that stood out to me was his his new career as a salesperson and how successful he's been. Yeah. I think so that that opened up my eyes and now I'm seeing a business opportunity for somebody like me who could uh, round up a bunch of players who have retired and, and turn them into like my own multi-level marketing uh, selling company uh, because <laughs> like we, there, there's an epidemic of people who they retire and I, you know according to uh, different blogs and Facebook posts that I've read it's something like over 99% of NFL players are broke within like six weeks of retiring. And um, so what I would do is I would, I would get all these NFL players and I'd send them door to door in my neighborhood, either selling uh, magazines, water purifiers, or, or if it's like the town that they play football on them, just go door to door being like, Hey, I'll autograph something for $20. And um, then I'd let players keep, you know, three or four dollars for every autograph that they sign and <laughs> i'd take you know my fair share and 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 you know 17 16 bucks or whatever but if like patrick willis was going up and down those hills in, in san francisco knocking on doors of those families and in, in their big rich houses and being like hey hi i'm patrick willis i'll autograph um a, a piece of mail that you have for twenty dollars <laughs> i could see him making four hundred five hundred dollars a day um yeah it's a lot of work i don't know if they want to put in the time um, but if you're a recently retired NFL player out there and are interested in a business opportunity, um, please contact me, pftcommenter at, at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to get you started with, like, a beginner's kit. Um, it's a reasonable price to, to introduce yourself into it. But um, I'm setting up this big business plan right now. More to come. But um, I think it's a surefire deal. Well, I, I, just, I just heard your email ping, and I bet you anything that was Kyle Baller getting back to you. Probably. Yeah, I mean – To go sign some – some folks's mail. Yeah. I mean, Steve, you know, you know, from personal experience that as a former NFL player, there are a lot of people out there that would let you into their house just so that they could, you know, crack a beer with you and talk some pigskin for about, you know, 30 minutes or so. Um, so I don't, I don't see, I think it'd be really easy to get people to just like open up their checkbooks for any NFL player. So that's my business opportunity. <laughs> well, yeah, they might get in trouble for that though. I think there was a, uh, uh, ex NFL player that just got, Pop for a pyramid scheme recently, so you might want to might want to make sure uh, that's all above board first. <laughs> well, you know, there's a difference between a pyramid scheme and a Ponzi scheme, Steve. I think that you know, if you're attacking me, then I'm going to have my legal representation. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to help. Gloria will be calling you up. Well, Ponzi scheme sounds kind of foreign. I mean, that's a red flag to me right there. Pyramid scheme, hey, it's a pyramid. You will work your way up to the top, right? That's right. Absolutely. I I could see, yeah, I could see. You you could you could have like um the grittiest check cashing business in 
I don't know, whatever, wherever it is you're living right now, PFT. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, you know, like I would, I would open up my home and open up my checkbook for any NFL player that knocked on my door as long as it meant I could, you know, grill him about Lovey Smith burning timeouts or whatever it is. So, like, <laughs> I, I think that I think there's a big untapped consumer market out there of people that will just literally pay twenty dollars to talk with an NFL player for five minutes, and so that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah, that's you know, there's there, there's hey, every bad every idea that people laugh at, there's a nug, there's a nugget of profit in there somewhere. You just got to have the, the grit to go out and chase it. Right. Seriously, though, I thought Sarah did a really good job with it, and Steven's absolutely right. Dexter Manley was he was a hoss man. He was a guy that from back in the day where, where defensive players actually hated quarterbacks, like you would like mention the word quarterback to them on like a Wednesday afternoon, and they would just start drooling out of rage. That's what I'm talking about. That's some <laughs> NFL shit right there. Well, you know the the funniest thing about reading that was too. It's like, and I I I always forget this, but it's like, holy shit, yeah, I remember, the Redskins were good for a long time there. I remember. I, it's easy to forget now, since the what what Dan Snyder buy him in '99, right? <laughs> Pre Dan Snyder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny too, and then the NFL has changed the ownership rules that. In such a way that had um, had they had those rules in place, that uh, Dan Snyder, the old the who damn it, I can't think of the people who owned the t- the guy who owned the team. Jack before. Cook. Yeah, but he would have been able to own that. He can't uh, own the team with a trust like that. Yeah, he tried to pass it down to his sons. My favorite part about that was uh, part of the trust that got passed down to his kids, Ralph and John, was that they had to name the town. Of Landover, they had to rename it Ralph John, Maryland. <laughs> no. I, thought, I thought that was very nice. I thought that showed a real um, understanding of perspective. <laughs> I think Ralph John lasted for about two years as an actual postal code in Maryland until they had to finally be like, okay, we'll give you the name Landover back. And it was back to Landover, right? It seems like it's like is I think that is there anything besides the stadium in Landover? I don't know that I've actually ever been out to Landover. There's a really nice strip mall. Ah, there you go. There's a <laughs> lot of those in the DMV though. Yes, and they range in they range in scale. But yeah, that was a really good piece. And if you're listening to this, definitely go read it. It's really good. It's really fascinating, and um, it's a, just a cool story. I mean, it's a, you won't be disappointed. I can guarantee you that. So uh, yeah. Um, on the other hand, speaking of disappointments, you probably would be disappointed if you watched the the show Ballers on HBO this Sunday. <laughs> did any of you guys watch that? I did. Yeah, I watched it. I've it's had some issues with my satellite subscription recently, so I, I wasn't able to tune in. Well, I, I don't think you're missing much, PFT. I think that if you if somebody would just fucking step up and write a check and finance your um, you know, remake of or not remake, but their your second season of Playmakers. It would be yeah. a way better show. Yeah, attention to any Hollywood big shots. If you're listening, get in touch with me. That's, um, but no, I, I didn't see the show. Was it good? Um, uh, Danny, Stephen, your thoughts on the show? I'll defer to Stephen because I didn't see it. Um. Well, first of all, I think the biggest uh, complaint most people had about it that it was only thirty minutes. And everybody's like, what the hell, HBO? Y'all never have 30-minute shows. Yeah. Um, But here's the thing about Ballers, and it's kind of what, to me, ruins the authenticity of most 
supposedly uh, uh, true, air quotes, true stories about the NFL or any kind of pro league, you know, whether it was playmakers back in the day or what have you, is that there are real issues that go go around most teams, right? But they try to throw everything onto like one team or onto just a few players all at once. And so it's not like one guy on one team is, uh, uh, you know, domestic violence guy and somebody on another team is smoking crack guy. It's like they're all the same guy, you know. Okay, well, this episode, you know, he beats up a woman. The next episode, he's smoking crack. Yeah. And and, and, and so it, it's overwhelming. And for me, it, it always bothers me because people come away thinking that's really how it is. Yeah. Where you got some element of that on every team, but for the most part, you don't even know the names of probably, you know, half of the guys on the team. And, and probably another 20%. Never go out at all. They're family guys and, you know, got big families, never go out. So you're talking about basically 10% of the team, but the 10% of the team gets magnified on a show like Ballers. So you got, you know, this one asshole guy that gets in a fight because he's having sex in the bathroom and somebody interrupts him. So he gets cut by Green Bay. Then he's trying to get picked up by the Dolphins. And the one thing the coach is a stickler for is not being late. And so what is he? He shows up late for to go on some kind of boat or, 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 or on a fishing trip or something. And so, you know, it's like this, you throw all these stereotypes about this one guy in there, and now he's a fuck-up, you know. And then they got the guy who's uh, – he, he's out of football now, but he's trying to find his way, that stereotypical guy. He's trying to sell cars. Yeah. And you got The Rock, who's always a magnetic personality. You're always going to kind of be driven to whatever The Rock's doing because – he just kind of has has that aura about him, but even he, you know, he he's guy ex football player. Now he's trying to be, uh, you know, a financial planner. But really, they kind of position him more as an agent than a financial planner. Yeah. Like a financial planner, most real financial planners in the real world that work with athletes are, for be- lack of a better word, dweebs. All they do is numbers <laughs> and money and stuff. They don't advise you about your off the field habits they don't give a shit as long as the check clears and as long as you know they make good on the promises they made you whatever they are they don't care they in the office every day you know but you know the rock is going out partying with these guys giving them you know tips on whether or not to be on twitter and this kind of shit so uh it's kind of overblown and i hope that it gets better as time goes on but people like it you know regular people they kind of think that uh, uh, most NFL teams and most NFL players is like walking into Caligula anyway. <laughs> For them, it's, they're, they're just eating this shit up. Oh, yeah, you know, they uh, obviously they do this shit. All, all these guys do that. So you, you can't, I, I've given up arguing against that kind of thing. But yeah, they always kind of bother me about these shows is that they, they play up maybe the 5 or 10% of the wildest guys on the team. And make it seem like everybody's like that. So it, it's kind of just par for the course as far as that goes. Yeah, it's it's always interesting, those shows. And they take that. I mean, it's like they, they make every player look so – they make players look so one-dimensional. And it's like, well, it's like you got – there's 3,000-some guys, players in the league at any given time. And they're black, Hispanic, Samoan. I mean, all kinds of backgrounds. 
all kinds of different social classes, all kinds of different interests. I mean, it's a diverse group and you can't, it's always that, you know, that you want, it's like, well, you've got the, the quarterback that's blah, blah, blah. And you got this, like you said, you know, it's the, the various, here's the party guy and here's the drug guy. And here's the, you know, here's the guy that wants more money on his contract. It's just always that it just, it simplifies it. And like when you see it and you, you, you're as involved with the NFL as we are from a media perspective every year. It's like, remember, you know what? One of the most popular or two of the most popular, like, social media type stories were last year was the one about um, Andrew Luck being a weirdo when he gets sacked and tackled on the field. Like, hey, that was a good hit. Nice play there. I can't believe you did that. Good job with that. Because Andrew Luck's a fucking weird guy in a good, nice, interesting way. And then, like, the Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers linemen sitting around playing Settlers of Catan, which is about the nerdiest thing I could think of anybody doing. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a really interesting fact about these guys that, you know, also is, is kind of nice. And it's interesting because it also, it's like, oh, yeah, they're also humans just like me. I, it's kind of interesting to know that, you know, these are guys, too, that they like to play Settlers of Catan or they like to go, you know, shooting on the weekends or whatever it is that they, you know, the stuff like that, that comes out that they do. And it's, it's always, it's like the mundane aspects about the biggest stars in the league are always kind of some of the most interesting stuff because it's not what you associate. It breaks the stereotype. It's not what you associate with those guys. I, like I say, somebody just needs to, to write PFT comment or the check and bring it on and make the, you know, breathe some new life into Playmakers and let that. It would be out. like a mix of Playmakers, The Wire, and The Sopranos all rolled into one. Yeah, <laughs> and, it and, it, be... and it had Michelle Beadle. That's not awesome to me. Correctly. Yeah, I think it'd be great. You know, you'd have um, you'd have like Terrence Knighton playing the uh, the role of Tony Soprano, <laughs> uh, like the big mafia <laughs> boss who owns a strip club, and. <laughs> Chris Johnson's always coming in there getting shot and stuff. And man, it would be, it fights itself. <laughs> no offense to Chris Johnson, but I mean, it was a shoulder wound. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to hell. I can't keep laughing at this. I had surgery one time. That is literally the same thing as getting shot in your shoulder. It's the same thing. They put a hole on my shoulder. It was fine. I just, I couldn't jerk off for three weeks and that was it. Like, get, get over it, Chris Johnson. <laughs> well i think we this is we've reached a point on the podcast where i just don't know what else there is to say to yeah. be quite honest with you i think we've covered it all this is off-season stuff we we gave you a good mix of of hashtag content i think there's a little bit a little something for everybody here whether you want to watch ballers whether you want to talk about russell wilson's uh contract or uh what have you? Elite. We even touched on who is elite and who is not elite. I mean, how's that for a June podcast about the NFL? I mean, there, there truly is no off season, Ryan, and um, it was an honor to be on it with you guys. Well, I'm glad you could be here. I, I'm hey, glad. Can we I were... say one thing though? Because yeah. I need to reiterate something I said on Twitter. Because th- this isn't necessarily an NFL thing. It kind of is because Sal Alonsi was working for the Jets at one point. When he gained infamy, you know, for tripping the guy for the <laughs> yeah. Dolphins. But listen, here's my thing about the whole Diddy Salalosi thing. Like I said on Twitter, if your strength coach gets his ass whooped by Sean Puff Diddy Combs, you need a new strength coach. <laughs> and, and, and there's just no two ways around it. Nobody's going to respect that guy ever, ever again. 
And every time he tries to look, you, you need to get that weight up. Fuck you. You just got your ass kicked by Diddy. Get out of here. <laughs> so I think me personally, UCLA needs to find a new head strength coach because that guy, he just can't show his face anymore around the weight room after you got your ass whooped by Diddy. Diddy of all people too. It's not like Rick Ross or even. Right. It. I mean, it's Diddy. Come on now. <laughs> Diddy. You got and, your ass whooped by Diddy. And, and like, it's like Spencer and Jason were saying this. Jason Kirk, our college football editor, but like they're saying it's like, and I know that this has been my experience with the NFL, but it's like those strength coaches, those guys are the craziest fuckers on the team. By yep. far. It ain't even close. If you don't have a strength coach on your team that everybody's scared of, you need to lose strength coach. Those <laughs> motherfuckers don't do anything but eat, sleep, and shit, lifting weights. How does, how does Sean Puff Diddy Combs come in there and whoop his ass in his office? That's unacceptable. <laughs> with a kettlebell, nonetheless, too. But when he was a kettlebell, he, he, he used the kettlebell on the staffer that poured him all <laughs> cellulose. So, yeah, no, I can't even give him that excuse. <laughs> no, sir, you got to go. I'm sorry. We, we give you a nice little severance and all that. <laughs> But, you know, you ain't got to go home. You got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the weirdest. That That's the weirdest story of the week, the craziest story of the week, because I just, I mean, it's if you don't like Tom Brady appeals and whatnot, that, you've got to like that story, because that's, that's a hell of a damn story. That's the kind of stuff that only happens once in a blue moon around, you know, it's that the... the I didn't believe it. I saw the first story, and I thought this is a joke. I thought TMZ was just, you know, punking us. I had to check. I'm like, no, I'm like, not Sean Combs, not like the 90s rapper Sean Combs, was it? Right. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. That's exactly who it was. <laughs> well, guys, that's been a uh, one hell of a program as per usual. So uh, I think we, we can call it a day and we'll reconvene next week. How's that sound? Sounds good. Right. Sounds great. All right, guys. It's- Thanks for joining us. We'll have this up online momentarily. And uh, take care, y'all.